This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kelly. And today on Diversified Game, I got my brother, Amwar Jameson. You might have seen his movie, Coming to Africa. It's not his first project. The guy with BKE Films, he's doing big things. But this Coming to Africa, when this came across my email, you guys already know. I was glued in, had to watch it that night with my wife. And it was, I said, this is the film. This is what I needed to see. Man, brother, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Man, I'm great, man. Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Man, what you guys did, and everybody can go check it out on Amazon and Apple and so many other platforms, as long as you pay for it, you know, don't just, you know, but even if you get the bootleg, try to do a review. So at least you do something <laughs> to encourage folks of making this type of content. You went from America to the continent on this film. Just give us your background and, and how did you, you know, come up with this idea for this film? Well, I've always been a writer, first and foremost. I'm a writer, an educator. Uh, my background was in English. Uh, my degrees were in English. Uh, I already was an English professor. I went back to school, uh, to film school, to learn film. Fell in love with that, so I started doing movies. Uh, so prior to this, I'd done three movies, but this one, this was one that was always in the back of my mind. It was something I wanted to do. I wanted to really show a side of Africa that had never been seen. I knew that the medium of film was a powerful medium to be able to do that, um, as opposed to just telling people, you know, about it. Once the more I learned, I wanted to share it with people. And I said, man, if I could make a movie about it, package it in a, a lighthearted, comedic way, but still uh, hit them with all those points that I want to get across. I thought we had something powerful. So I'm proud of the way that it came out. Man, and you definitely have something powerful, but it is not easy to shoot in even two different states when you don't have, you know, the majors backing you up. And I know that we had your cousin on who was also in the film almost by default. He just kind of slipped in there like I'm trying to slide in a role and stuff. And, you know, talk, talk about the benefits of filming in Africa. Well, one benefit is is the, the cost of living difference. And so not just cost of living, but then I would say cost of shooting. So I was able to have a crew at my disposal, like I had never had. And I'm like, ah, this is what it feel like. So sometimes being an indie filmmaker, you got a certain amount of people, everybody trying to do two or three different jobs just to make it happen. So this is my my first time being able to step up to, you know, 20 some people running around and they running around just for me and they doing their job and they doing it well. You know, and that was a different experience, but it was all due to the fact that the difference in the currency, you know, when I was able to take my budget over there, it was able to stretch a lot further than it did over here. You know, even a few days that we had to shoot here in Memphis, if I compare that to the majority of the movie over there is is crazy. 
you know, the, the bang for the buck, you know, that I was able to get over there. So that's one thing. And the other thing is I just really love my crew over there, man. There's no disrespect to all my people here and all my homies I work with, but it's a different appreciation. You know, you get over there on the continent and you like, they really do have that. I'm going to get everything out of this mentality, you know, everything out of my talent, everything out of this day. It was a, it was a level of appreciation and seriousness and the crew that I, I really loved. And and, um, and we just bonded like family, man, and got it in. Can you give a ballpark figure so all your cousins and long-lost cousins don't come hit me up, you know, in the email of what that budget was so people can say, you know, well, he did that movie and it's on all these platforms, but it's probably because he started off with 200000 dollars and I don't have that because people always want to make an excuse and I want to kill excuses I'm the ex I kill it and murder it so what it was that budget that you were able to stretch so um you know greatly production wise roughly about 70 about started out about 65 70 started out and then had to add on to it as I got into post-production and doing some different things it's probably at about 120,000 right now you know what I mean, with the whole thing, but to actually go over there, shoot it and all that at the production side, it was around 65, 70, um, somewhere in there, just far as shooting that part. And uh, again, when you think about going over there, man, we going to another country, plane tickets, you got a crew you taking. I mean, there's no way. Like, it should have been, I, what, what we pulled off, I shouldn't have been able to do for less than 500,000. Like, period. Like, you know what I mean? If we were doing the whole thing here, doing it a certain way, doing it, having it, you know, all of that stuff, man. So, yeah, I was able to make it happen. Yeah, and permits alone, you know, and I know in, in, in Ghana where you filmed it, you know, that's not you, – you have some leeway on doing things. Now, for those future filmmakers or current filmmakers, they say, well, who, 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 who funded you, cousin? Because I can't get funding, and the only people that will give me money – I have to sell my whole film to. So, you know, how did you go about raising capital? I just tell people, I, I hate to say where there's a will, there's a way, because if there wasn't this way, I don't know what I would have done. But it was just ironic for me, because as an artist, a creator, we always trying to get out of our day jobs. You know, some people went the route early on to just never having a day job. I'm going to be the starving artist and just make it, you know, that was never me. So I came out of school and I went straight in. I was teaching middle school, fresh out of college. You know, I was a middle school teacher at like 21, you know, and, and all of this stuff. So I had always been teaching. And then, like I said, I'm a college professor. So it's funny because there's certain people I went to, um, certain people who wanted to, to help out, who thought they would be able to, when the time came, they really couldn't. Then it was other people who, uh, I thought with I, I know he gonna be you know on board, and they just treated me like I was whatever. And it was certain people. Who, I mean, it was all these things. I just knew I would have to fund it the way that everybody thinks. You know, like I get investors, they believe in this. That's what we're told as indie filmmakers. It didn't happen. So I'm sitting there with everything lined up, and I'm like, what in the world? I'm sitting there praying and everything. I'm like, I, I'm like, I know this movie is meant to happen. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Everything lined up. And then it just something hit me in the head. I got that reply like, 
you already have the money. It was almost like literally. <laughs> but because I've been a college professor, you know, 10, 11 years already been teaching, it's like, I was like, man, I, I, I've never been one of those people to try to, you know, uh, go into my retirement, you know, to buy a house or to buy a car. I never looked at my retirement, like literally. I was like, okay, they take all this money out of my check every two weeks. When I retire, it's going to be there. And some said, how does that even work? Like, how, like, I was like, let me just call them. I'm like, I never even checked. And, and the automated system, you know how you had an automated system before you even get somebody that was like, your balance is. I was like, my balance is what? Like, I got that kind of money? <laughs> like, okay, and I can take some? So it's crazy because I end up funding it by borrowing against my own retirement, against my own money. You know what I mean? So I was like, wow, once I realized I can do that, and then outside of that, I had to take, you know, a couple more minor little bank loans. But the chunk of it was just borrowing against my own retirement. And that just empowered me so much more. I'm like, hold on, this is my money? Like, I ain't got nobody else to answer to now? Like, I don't have to come back to nobody and explain what I'm doing with it? It just made me feel so much better. I feel like I just grew like two feet. Like, oh, can't nobody tell me nothing now. Because I'm like, if I blow it, if this don't work, if I don't follow through, it's my money I blew. Like, period. Like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't have to come back to nobody, but I had the confidence in myself to know I could deliver. So I don't know how to tell other people to do that, you know, unless you've been working on the job. They got retired for a certain amount of time. But I think there are ways, you know, to think outside the box. But the thing I will say is the sad part about it is 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 these people not coming to help you. You know, a lot of this help you think you just think if you get in a room with the right person, you get into like it's probably not coming unless you have, you know what I mean? Somebody really close to you with that kind of money, because I was really disheartened by certain people. I'm like, wait a minute. I felt like I earned the right to have a conversation with anybody who I could reach. I'm like, bro, I got two master's degrees. I'm a college professor. I started my own film program. And I built from the ground up at an accredited institution. I had already did three movies. Like, you don't even want to listen? Like, for 15 minutes, I can't even get... I'm like, I felt like my resume, you know, should get me at least a conversation. I don't mind somebody saying no. I never minded somebody saying no. But yeah, I was a little offended by people who wouldn't even listen to me once I got to them. Like, we connected already, and you can't even... Okay. So, yeah, I uh, to the filmmakers out there, man, it's, it, it's just, it's, you have to find creative ways and find a way because, yeah, these people are not coming to save us. <laughs> no, they're definitely not. Only Jesus saves. And, you know, with you doing your retirement, that in itself shows how bad you wanted to do it. Because, I mean, most Black, you know, men probably don't get to use their retirement. You know, the way we, the way it goes with all the stress in this country and why we push Africa so much on this platform to show people you can have a business out there and you can win because this is not, this is like smoke and mirrors. This is a facade. All of this is, you know, it's fake. It looks real good, but it's not real. So you, you took the, the leap of faith to do that. Uh, what would you say, you know, with somebody would be like, well, I want to do that but then it's gonna penalize me during tax time. Like, do you do this with the advice of a CPA? Yeah, and I did. I, I spoke to my, my guy who does my taxes about it. And, and the thing is, is 
which I won't even go into all the details on the air, but it can it can be beneficial. Like tax wise, I wouldn't if you're able to do that, I wouldn't worry about it because the thing is, you have everything to write off. You have everything to show that you spent. So it's not like taking this money, borrowing against your retirement, and you sitting on it or you blowing it on something. I have all the receipts. I had a plane ticket receipts. I have, you know what I mean, the equipment I have. So you can show all the things that I spent. So then you filing that on your taxes. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, there's definitely a way to do it where everything is on the up and up and legal. And, and again, that's your money. You know what I mean? So that's what I had to realize. Because first I'm like, well, but certain things, once I got into the process, I'm like, oh, that's why they're making it so easy and convenient because it is my money. You know what I mean? Like, it's supposed to be like this. So it was that kind of thing, man. So it really was an avenue that opened up. And and I, I just knew, I'm like, okay, this is obviously a one-shot thing. Like, I'm not coming back tapping this again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like period. So this has to work. So now it's to the point having this finished product and having it out here is amazing, man, because I just feel like I took that shot and I, and I did it. You know, I got what we needed to get out of it. Now, was this your first time on the continent when you went to Ghana? This was my first time on the continent, man. And um, it's crazy because for years we planned this project, me and Power. We planned this project. We talked about it. And I thought I would be able to do it before. And then it wouldn't work out. And then I thought I'd be able to do it and it wouldn't work out. So my plan was to take a trip to the continent first, spend some time, tighten up the script, go home. Next time I come, we shoot the movie. But each time when I wasn't able to go, I was just like, man, that's not going to work. I have to plan a trip and shoot the movie the first time I go. So again, like you said, and originally he wasn't going to act in it. I wasn't going to act in it. And I was like, cuz we're going to fall back. Got a little budget. We're going to hire actors. But being that I ended up having to act in it, I wasn't supposed to act in it either. Being that I was there for the first time and the character was there for the first time, being there for the first time worked to my advantage because some of those things the character was going through for the first time, I was literally going through for the first time. So I think it helped the acting performance. Okay. And, you know, you hit on some real life scenarios. I'm not going to give too much of the movie away, folks, because you're going to have to go watch it. But just the experience of, you know, getting to the bar and you're a big man, because I'm shot for a lot cheaper over there than they are here. You know, you can buy out the bar. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. There are, my wife, she watched it. She was like, she got frustrated because the Playboy in Africa She's like, oh, here we go again. And I said, now nah, you got to keep watching because this is a real life story. This is how it is when you first get to Africa. You feel like, hold on, did I grow? Like you said, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. You got your two feet and you got more money in your feet. So it, it just, that feeling, it, I think it really came off genuine. And so many men especially can, uh, you know, understand that. And, 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 you know, even your disrespect that you did at the bar to that lonely worker, so you thought. And that's how I'm going to end it, y'all, because y'all got to watch this film. <laughs> Everything, like, it's not your traditional film. You went a whole, you went that whole untraditional route. So it being your first time in making that, did you know you were going to do all those things prior to getting to Ghana? Yes. I really wanted to, those were certain things I wanted to touch on is, is because again, 
while it's a comedy on the surface, I had specific things I definitely wanted to hit. And one of those things, the that rude American archetype, you know what I mean, <laughs> is a real thing. You know what I mean? Some of us, I, I'm telling certain people, everybody like, man, I'm coming. When you going back? When you going back? I'm like, anybody come with me? Like, you basically getting the orientation. Or you know who you need to give orientation to. And it's like, bro, you can't come over here and be that dude. Like, there's that dude don't exist over there. Like, you like you got to relax. Like, you know, over here, we can be a little bit more on the stuff we be on. And it's like, I wanted a character. I wanted to show that, you know what I mean? Because that is a lot of us. And you get in a place uh, where the culture is a lot more peaceful. It's a lot more respectful. Is you know, and, and there can be that contrast. So I wanted to show that. So there were things like that. You know, um, like you said, this guy over here feels like he's a playboy. You get over there and a lot of our minds, that's what we think. Oh, man, I'm African women. I'm going to go over here and do this or that. And dudes over there be marrying multiple. You know what I mean? Like a, a lot of us, you know what I mean? But that's why I chose the characters carefully because I wanted the characters in there to represent different sides of us, you know. So my character represented one thing, Khalil Kane's character represented some power represented something and it's like the complete 360 of you know of black men um in america to me okay uh, and i can't wait for you know i know we're pumping part one but i know there's gonna be a part two and you guys have started to begin and if you know if khalil tell him i said it if he doesn't you know take himself on a plane and do um i told power the last poet remix and then power and everybody get in the, you know, and, and, and bring that whole essence of his father and his work over to Ghana and say, okay, this is what it's like. Because, I mean, it, it's such a powerful movie. And with coming to America, you know, starting a part two, I think, you know, people are going to see in their Amazon, like, coming to in the future and be like, oh, hold on, coming to Africa. I got to piece that as well. And you did it right. I am the biggest collector of Nigerian movies that does not sell them in America. I have so many BCDs and I know African film. I, I know it, right? And yeah. I've seen people try to do what you've done. It, they haven't done it justice. You did it justice. I'm just telling you from an expert in the field, you did it justice. <laughs> Appreciate that. And, and so, you know, with this film, some people say, okay, okay, Kellen, he has a great film. I watched it. It's on Amazon. It's on Apple. But I have not, you know, seen him on Forbes yet. I haven't seen him in the Bentley because sometimes people, your success is only if you're grandiose and they want to see you now do a movie like for the theater. So what's the plan for this film, because you just are now marketing it out, do you can you even begin start writing on another project or working on other projects to you know pay the bills and you have a job as well? So wh where are you on your day to day? Uh, I'm definitely writing right now, and, and I am writing. On we going back and forth now. I've been talking to uh, my sisters and brothers on the continent. We plotting out this part two most definitely. So we got some tricks up our sleeve. And I'm always writing. I'm always creating. So that's my thing. And, and as far as you, you said about the people who will say, well, oh, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen that. You know, I'm just blessed and fortunate. I didn't choose to be this way. 
but the the financial the money never moved me though the only thing about money that ever moved me is the independence of it like to get enough to be able to move independently so i always um give nipsey hustle as an example is the greatest example i could give nipsey passed and a lot of people i remember my sister she's like i didn't really know him like that should i have him i was like nah that's the beauty of it it's like he wasn't like out here on radio. He wasn't doing all of this stuff. But when they pulled that double XL freshman cover back up and I looked at it like, dang, you look everybody on there with him. It was like Wiz Khalifa, J-Rock. Uh, I can't think of half the people. Everybody on there, you know, basically had what you would say a way greater career to that point. He stepped back from a major label on purpose to be like, no, nah, hold on. Let me build this brick by brick. I don't like how y'all doing it. So it took him seven, eight, nine years to resurface back where he could have technically been on that freshman cover and he would have been driving whatever he wanted to drive, but that bank account would have been slim, you know? So to take that step back and build it up the way he wanted to is I look at it as a parallel for like how I've been. I never wanted to somebody to snatch, reach out and give me some big check, all this, and it got strings attached and I can't do what I want to do. Like, no, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to build this brick by brick. And I'm a level up. So I'm like, I'm great. Okay. I'm like, this is the highest level so far. Now I see the next levels coming. I see now people starting to speak and, and listen a little different and all of that. So I'm like, all of that stuff will come and that's cool. I love it, but it's the, the ability to control it. You know, the ability that I didn't have to sell none of this off. I own it like 100%. So anybody want to come do a deal about it, they have to see me like that's priceless to me. Like I'd rather have that then somebody had put a million dollars in my bank account, you know, last year for it. And now I don't got no say so. I can't talk about the movie. I don't know how much they really make it off of it. None of that stuff. So, yeah, it's cool, man. It's uh, I say, you know, but everybody has to know what they in these things for. That's me. Somebody else might be, hey, I'm, I'm strictly just give me the check and let me go create them. I don't care about all that. Everybody just needs to know what they in what they in it for, whatever it is they doing. Definitely, and the fun of it, and, and you never know until you really, you know, max something out all the way and can retire. But the fun of it is in the journey. You know, I'm from the Bay. We saw the the conscious daughters, the loonies, the the you know two shorts, the E40s out the trunk with it, and and really, and and you know, you saw how they were living too, and you were like, okay, they they living independently. Because it's something about being free, especially as a man in these times nowadays, to be free, have that freedom. You ain't, you know, you, you, you're not tap dancing on Bill Street, talking about give me some money. You're great. So, so it's, it's, it's all, all good. Um, but with the, the, the business side of it, how do you navigate both? Because, you know, it's 90% business. And how did you go about getting on Amazon, getting on Apple TV, which is uh, more difficult than getting on Amazon? Well, yeah. So, and that's the side people understand, just a little part of the game. What a lot of people don't understand, I should say. So most people are familiar with distributors and, you know, from the music. And I started in the music. So that helped me out a lot. And like you say, that out of the trunk, hey, I was inspired by all that when it was going on. I was, if you would have asked me in my teenage years, I'd have thought rap was going to be what it was. So I started my own label, me and my brother, you know, and I was 18, 19, and we was going hard at that. So a lot of those lessons I learned from the music 
they translate it, you know, having to deal with a distributor, having to do a one sheet, having to find creative ways to promote, um, writing my own press releases in a way to try to get coverage. So I brought a lot of things over from music. But what happens now with film is you have distributors and you have aggregators. So most of the time, a distributor can get you on all these platforms. They're going to take their their cut. You know, they're going to take whatever they cut is, be it significant or what, you're going to negotiate it. And they're going to handle all this. You're giving up your rights. You're telling them for X amount of time, it's on you. You basically got my movie. You're going to give me my percentage. But how they navigate it and how they do what they do, they're going to kind of take it over. Whereas with an aggregator is the route I went. Again, it's that out the trunk 2020. You know what I mean? I, I was like, okay, I can hit the same platforms these distributors hit. I might not have the relationships they have. Maybe they have some other relationships that can do some different things, but I like that challenge. So, you know, I'm sitting here strategizing every day. You know, I'm about to start another campaign. Like I ran a campaign. Okay, this web campaign. Now I'm in, uh, you know, I, I, I had to hire my own publicist. You know what I mean? With Lisa Bennett, shout out to her. She did a great job uh, from day one, you know, uh, getting me publicity for this. And I like that challenge. Everybody won't like that. So certain other people, yeah, you're going to need to get a distributor interested and you're going to want to rock like that. If you don't want to roll up your sleeves and do this, I love this, that it's all on me. You know, so later today, I'm back in my email, sending people things, strategizing, how can I maximize this? Because I'm confident in the product. So now the game is just as many people eyes as I can get it in front of, man, the sky's the limit for me. So that's the difference, you know. So I dealt with an aggregator and did it that way where I could hit all the platforms y'all can hit, but it's understood. It's all on me. They ain't going to do no promotion for me. <laughs> they ain't going to do none of that. But I feel like I can promote it myself and, and, and me and my people, we can do that. So that's the game, you know. Uh, the two sides of it, you know, when it comes to film. And I, I chose to go this route. I didn't want to wait for a distributor. And um, I had a couple offers from distributors. Um, and I had a nice distribution situation on the table, theatrical, like before this. So you mentioned people, oh, I've got, this was going to theaters. And I ain't going to even say the name. It'll blow people's mind. Like, you know what I mean? Just the, the, the last name, the name literally of who I was dealing with, you know what I mean? But COVID killed that because the theaters, you know, and they were kind of like, let's wait and see what happened after the new year. And I was like, ah, because we don't know what the new year going to bring. So it was just that having confidence in what I do and control it. And the thing is, when you do it that way, if you have the spirit for it, all you're doing is stacking those lessons on top of each other. You learn so much. So I'm like, I wouldn't have it no other way. I've had to do everything every step of the way. So now I know everything. I can help the next man. I can open a business showing people, you know, how to make a movie start to finish and get your movie out there and all. You know what I mean? And because I've had to go through it and music, you know what I mean? So that's what I like about it. You definitely have some courses in you. And that's, you know, where people want to take these quick courses, long courses, get the game. And, you know, we, we've had people who do $30,000 a month in courses alone, depending on what you teach and how you preach it. So I, I love, I love to hear that because we need to know the game. That's been the problem with a lot of uh, black people is we've just taken the deal and we haven't learned the business side of it and wonder why we're broke after 10, 20 years of doing this entertainment. Get behind the scenes. Exactly. So how do you deal with 
because you know this in music and in movies, that creative flow where you just want to create. So you put something out, now you're ready to create something else and say, okay, I need to put out something else, but you haven't all, you know, necessarily maxed out that last project. How do you control that? Because every creative, we have that, like, I just want to create. If I could just create, throw it in the universe, let it do what it do. I don't want to worry about that other stuff, but I have to because I'm a businessman too. So how do you control yourself with that? I just understand that it's a part of the game and, and look to the, the people I've been inspired by. Like you said, a lot of them in the Bay. Um, when I got down here, I ended up in Memphis. I'm originally from Racine, Wisconsin. I ended up in Memphis originally to go to college. And then I just, I loved it. And I ended up making it in my home. But DJ Paul and Juicy J, I got here when, Three six was still triple six, and they was booming little cassette tapes with with a little sticky label on it. I was like, "Who is these?" The like, club. huh? Staring up the club. Exactly, and I saw that. So I've always been inspired by that. So for me, it's not hard seeing what Master P did, and I've always been an interview fiend. Like a lot of people watch, you know, interviews now because of YouTube. But I got in storage. I got. Every double XL source and vibe from, hey, I got them in crates. You know what I mean? So just reading people's story and knowing what they was doing, that always inspired me. So I'm I'm kind of, uh, I'm different in that way. Like I said, a lot of creatives, I'm a, I've always been a writer first. So I'm a creative to the highest level in my mind, but I've always been inspired by that entrepreneur, seeing people handle their business and do that. So I'd rather just be creating but i never ran into that other side who could do it you know like ti uh, jason jeter or whatever and uh master p always had buys and you know people you find a lot of people they always got that other silent partner who you like, like he must be doing a lot of the business you know i never could connect with a person that i was like with an equal vision so i just always had to keep doing it myself but um I, that was pretty much it. I just knew it was necessary and it was just something that that interested me too because I, I just watched what other people did and felt like I could do it. So there's always that balance because I'm always on to writing the next thing, but um, there's just something in me, man, that just, that, just, that just keeps going. Like, it's not a fear. I don't like to say fear, but a lot of people say, man, you do this, you do that, and teach you going back to, like, what drives you? And I'm just like, there's this thing, like, I have all this God-given ability that every, like, let me take that, everybody has God-given ability. Everybody has things that this innately you can do. I just look at it like I'm blessed that the things I can do are just easy to spot. You know, some people might be a mathematical genius or a scientist, and they might, but if, you know, nobody pull it out, they'll never know. But if you can write better than almost everybody around you, if you can read better, it stands out early. The teachers will tell you, well, well you can write. Well, you're going to do something with it. You know what I mean? It becomes easy to identify. So I always had this thing in me like, man, I got to get all this stuff out of me before I, you know, before I leave here. I'm like, well, what, what kind of person would I be knowing what's in me and not get it out? So that's what just helps me keep going because I'm just like, I got to get the stuff out of me. Now, I, I love to hear that in the words of Nipsey Hussle, he talked about, you know, the kid always knew he was a genius, but he couldn't explain it because they gave him no platform, you know, and and to really push and, and, and entertainment is hard for everybody, 
Um, but you, th those who really want to do it, you, you're going to win because you're not going to stop. It's just in you and you have to just keep pushing and no one's going to give you anything. And, and to your point, and this is so self-serving, uh, you know, when you talk about those people who have those business managers, because that's, as a consultant, that's one of the titles that we have. What you have to find is somebody just as crazy as you. Mm -hmm. Because I have a lot of times people come, oh, you'd be great, you'd be great. But if you don't really respect the mind, if you don't respect the ideas and you just kind of want someone to, oh, this is my assistant. We're not, we're not, we're not an assistant. We are a high paid admin that is uber smart and have our own team in connection. And you got to let that person work in their creativity as well, because that's how you take someone from 50,000 to, you know, 500,000 and, and more and, and, and deals. And so I, I would just say, find someone just as crazy as nuts. You never know what they, they, they look like, sound like, but there's so many folks that don't look like us who automatically sometimes can get that type of work. They go work at a big agency. And I find a lot of us who are talented like that, that folks won't pay them. I know my retainer is high. I got a background I got to support, <laughs> you know, but I also make people money. And so we, when finding that person, you know, just look for a teacher that, you know, is that. Because a lot of us could go a lot further if we had that person, but we don't trust anybody, especially if they look like us. Oh, nah, he might steal my money. Okay, he's going to steal your money, you know. And I've had those real life. I've actually fired a client after paying them $15,000. And, then, you know, so that's a whole nother story. My audience has heard this story. Pay somebody all their money, and then they say, hey, when we make 100000 200000 I don't want to pay you. Mm -hmm. huh? You know, that's just, that's us worldwide. That situation, you know, she was out of Africa, you know? <laughs> uh, so I, I just say, I love for us to work together. I like my team to look like LeBron as much as it can, but we yeah. also... You know, we, we got to work with who will work with us. With all the success that you are having and that you're going to have in the future, what is a community give back that you're doing or that you plan on doing? What we're doing right now is building bridges that a lot of people can walk over. So my community give back on a daily is I'm a, I'm an educator first and foremost. So, man, I've raised the army of students. So... <laughs> My thing is, I've tried to tell people, this is a time where we can seize an opportunity to go all the way outside the box. So as far as the community goes, man, a lot of we sit around, we have these conversations. I have them with my pops. I have them with, you know, people I trust. We talk about black, black, what can we do, what this... That's why I dropped the, you know, it was fictional in a way, but the, the thing not to give it away that me and Khalil's character were talking about in a movie and trying to get off the ground came out of something I really was trying to do and had it laid out and had this plan. It was just like, people ain't trying to hear this right now. You know what I mean? It kind of folded up my blueprint, you know what I mean? But I was like, if I sprinkle it in a movie in a fictional way, like, hey, maybe I could plant the seed. So that's something I really got in the back of my mind still to do. But my thing is, okay, now we over here, we creating relationships in Ghana and certain things Ghana needs and certain things that we need. 
there's a possible synergy there. So now I'm looking at it like I'm with everything, man. We just went through election season. It really, I didn't really like to see, I mean, I like to see the passion for, uh, for, for people wanting to uh, make a difference and feeling like, you know, uh, the, the election was the way to go or, you know, our vote. Our vote is obviously important. But as black people, who the president was has never really, 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 really mattered to us in a way that what we do for ourselves can matter. And that's why I was like, yeah, I get it with Trump. I get it with I know. But I, I feel like people was giving him so much. Like I said, I, people laugh. I said people was acting like he Thanos. You know, they was acting like, like he going to snap his finger like. I've literally heard people acting like the world going to end, like we just fold up and die if he get reelected. Like, it's, I'm like, no, like we done lived through a lot of, you know what I mean? So I say all that to say my thing, my intent for the community now, like power and partner with people, really letting people buy plots of land. You can come get an acre for X amount. You know what I mean? Like everybody's not going to move to Africa. Like we building businesses, we building things like that is to show people. Like, bro, we can get what we can get out of this relationship in a mutual way. So while we doing things over here, let's build businesses, man. Like, let's build businesses here. Let's build businesses there. So everything I'm going to be about, everything I'm trying to be about, everything I'm now spinning this into is us being self-sufficient. Because, again, I understand the importance of electoral politics, all of this. But I'm like, we've been going through the same thing for 400 something years. Bro, it's not going to stop. I'm on, I'm aboard the reparations train also. Everybody like, if they ain't talking about reparations, I don't want to hear it. I hear you. But I ain't really going to give us reparations. I'm with it. I understand it. We got, of course we got the case for it. Of course we're owed it. Of course we deserve it. But bro, do they really want to open them books up? I was talking to somebody recently, like they done gave them to everybody else. And it's like, yeah, because everybody else ain't us. They don't owe everybody else what they owe us. If they come with some little low amount, if they even give the hint that they think they're going to do it, they know we coming for it all. So my thing is, if we keep being boxed in, we keep having these issues with police, we keep having all this, it's like, bruh, we got to take this break, we got to huddle up, and we got to turn into each other. And if we really, really, really organize, all that other stuff, man, can take care of itself. Like, we'll be able to take care of the police if we really organize as a community. The Black Panthers was formed partially to watch the police, the police, the police. They didn't have no cameras. They didn't have no technology. They out there with a pen and pad writing badge numbers and stuff like this and following police. Why we can't organize the community to, oh, police, he on it? Okay. Everybody come outside. You know what I mean? My thing is, I'm telling people, what's, imagine if we were so organized, as soon as you see the police, we got shifts. We got patrols through the whole city. We walk up to the police eight in the morning. How you doing, sir? I, I'm not armed. I'm, I'm not on no, you know, I'm community so-and-so number 131. I've been assigned to you today. I'm going to be keeping my distance, but I'm going to be following you. Like, you know, like we going to be like, imagine if we was that organized. Like, what are you going to do? And everybody looking at him. You going to shoot all us? You know what I mean? Like, imagine if he was that on point. So that's a long-winded way to say and I've always been about organization, knowledge, trying to get to a certain point to come back and share it. So I've always been an educator at heart. So I walk around like doing that anyway. You know what I mean? Trying to get people on the same page. 
And now this is giving me another example to show, like I went all the way over here and they got similar problems and they got some different, but they got some resources we can tap. Why should it only be the United States government and the UK and China tapping these resources? They want us to come tap. They want us to partner with them. And if we partner with them, we can bring that and build businesses here. So I'm really on that, trying to build bridges. And even when it don't involve over there, like, bro, let's organize ourselves and we can take care of all these other problems, period. But we can't take care of none of them when we just all individuals scattered doing what we're doing. Like, period. I, I don't see no way. No, that's real talk. And if you have that, those land deals, please uh, shoot them in an email, text, whatever, because um, I have a site. It's just a site we put up in about an hour mallofafrica.africa and we show those resources even where you can get a job in africa you know these are people that i know every single one of them and i've i've vetted them i've known them many of them for years even where you can do investments for under a thousand dollars and make you know sometimes up to 43 percent on your money in these things not that they'll get you rich but it will it's better than the bank is giving you so if you have some of that savings you know not all of it folks but those a little here a little there so if you have a, a business like that or, or an offer, please, because people come check out the site to say, wow, I didn't know I could be a citizen over in these countries. We also have the citizenship where you can be or the permanent residencies and what it takes to get there. And then, like I said, we put the site up in an hour because I had to get it out of my head. I know all these people. I had to throw that information there like there was no tomorrow. Man, see, that's a beautiful thing, man, because that's what I'm saying. It's not nobody's even asking all us to move back. That's not realistic. Like all us moving back, it would never happen, but it don't need to happen. But if we have enough of us there, we have enough things like you just talked about, we have enough connections, then we have some kind of base outside of here like other people have. You know, certain other people never go back to their home countries, but they got ties there. They got relationships where they can draw resources and do certain things. We got to establish something outside of here like that to where it's not so difficult, man, and everything ain't on us. Because other than that, we always sit in ducks right here, just completely at the mercy of whatever's going on right here. You know, I I kind of see it like this, because I'm an extreme ownership type person. I read that book, and it, it's one of the books that helped change the life. But like how you see the Jews, the Chinese, and folks who are still connected to their, their motherland, um, they have they walk around with a different type of air, kind of like a guy or a woman who has a side piece, and they're like, "Wait, if this go bad over here, I'm still straight, right?" <laughs> right. And that's what it is, and we don't have a side piece, but we do. We just gotta go tap into it and see how much better that side piece. You know, you look at the, your co-star, the woman that you had in there, who I'd also like to have on here and talk about her role and why she connected in the movie. I know she's a big Ghana star, but even her, that is the essence to me of beauty. That's a full rounded woman. My, I have a wife and that's how my wife is. She's not a, um, you know, what they put on Vogue and Cosmopolitan isn't like, to me, like that's not a real woman. Most women don't look like that. And, you know, there are women out in Ghana who have their own money who don't need nothing from you. And that's the type that y'all want. <laughs> so it's an asset and not a liability. But can you talk about, you know, how you cast it and just kind of how you felt women treated you over there? Well, yeah. So 
there was a, a wish list of, of people I had at the top that I wanted to be in this movie. And most of the main parts came from that. Um, just wanting to work with people uh, who I had seen. So as far as that part, you know, I had seen Anama McBrown just keeping up with African cinema, like you said, keeping up with Ghanaian cinema. Um, there were certain people that I had on the list. Like if I can get one of them, I'm good. You know, um, everybody else came from open casting calls. And it was crazy because they were doing the open casting call over there. I wasn't able to be there physically. So they recorded it for me. And then when I landed, we went through the video and cast the rest of the parts uh, before we shot. But we didn't even plan it that way. But they were doing the open casting call over there um, before. I mean, at the same time as we were doing it over here at Memphis. So we on WhatsApp like, bro, look at this line. It's crazy, you know. Um, and a lot of people turned out. The people who had done significant things over there um, had just, man, you know, the, it was overwhelming, like line wrapped around and all of this stuff. So they really got excited and came out for it. So we really had our pick of some great actors and actresses. And um, and as far as uh, how the women uh, and the culture as a whole, when I say the women, it's, what's crazy is, it's, uh, and this is what we would never picture over here, is so much more conservative. You know what I mean? It's like so much like uh, Power was even trying to tell me before I got there, man, a lot of how it is here is like the 50s over there back home. And I'm like, see the 50s. But a lot of the way that people carry themselves and the women and all that, man, so much more modest and and it's crazy. So now I'm looking at it like, look, social media is influencing it the other way. You know, and no disrespect to Cardi B. I love Cardi B. You know what I mean? But Cardi is Cardi. Now you got some wannabe Cardis, you know, so it's like, yo, chill. Like, no, stay the way you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's this this humility, this modestness, this kind of, you know, we picture, oh, I'm going to go to these places. They're going to be so much more exotic. So also they're going to be wild. They're going to be, and they'll be like, nah, like not at all. You know what I mean? It's just like, again, it's that culture. It's like the culture our parents talked about growing up in the South. If your parents from the South, it's still like that. Like they describe it then, you know, that humble come, you know, oh, Miss so-and-so said this, you know, down the street, don't take care of her, you know. And it still really is that culture. The woman who, there's the scene we shot, and this in the trailer, so I can give it, it's not giving anything away, where uh, me and Anonymous are walking down the street and I'm walking her back, you know, and the school is in the background. We had to, you know, go get permission to use the school. We didn't go in it, but I was just like, we're showing their name and all of that. So this was always funny to me. So the woman who was in there, much older woman, uh, we had to go in there almost sitting down, you know, like the boss, you know, like it reminded me of Madam Queen, if anybody ever saw uh, Hoodlum, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we had to go in there and pay our respect and ask respectfully, can we use it? So we were shooting that day. The day we were shooting, she said she had some cold drinks for us, you know, come back and get them, you know, because it was hot outside. And we like, thank you, thank you. So we got to shooting. We forgot about the drinks. You know, we shooting, we off to the next thing. So we went back about three or four days later, P.Y., my guy, the producer, was like, yes, we have to go back and thank her for letting us use it. So we went in there. Yeah, thanks again for letting us use it. We really appreciate it. And she looked, she was like, you didn't come back and get those drinks. I had the drinks for you. you know? 
I was like, oh, I felt so bad, you know what I mean? But it was like that so respectful, you know, we had like disrespected because we didn't come back and get those drinks, you know what I mean? Like something that You're simple. Bad. Like she told us she had some cold drinks for us and we forgot. So we had to apologize, but it's like levels of respect, you know, stuff over here is like, again, over here, we can be lost in something like, yeah, she said, somebody might say they got a drink. They don't even mean it over here. You know what I mean? Sometimes over here, we say stuff just to say it. It's like, nah, she said that and she meant it, you know? So, uh, yeah, man, just beautiful. A whole different level uh, of respect. People um, here say, I do, and, you know, I, the, I'll marry you to death do his part, better or worse, and don't mean it. Uh, what, what, I, <laughs> what I find when you say reference to the South, because um, all my people are, are from Arkansas, and they were born there. My, all my aunts and uncles and grandma and all that. What happened to when you come to a place bringing a gift? In Africa, you know, you want something done, bring a gift and watch how quick it can be done. People say, that's bribery. No, that's just, I mean, some people would bring a sweet potato back in the day, you know, uh, uh, bring a pie, bring something. And money always does work. I mean, it's nothing bad about if you bring money. But I definitely can feel you with that, you know, that old school values that a lot of us still have, but we can't practice it as much because it's so much social distancing. And I don't mean COVID, but cultural different, uh, distancing and, oh, I'm not going to do that because that'll make me seem weak or that'll make me seem too aggressive. Like I might want something. And, and we've kind of lost our way in a, in a big way. Yeah. What part, what part of Arkansas are your people from? Little Rock, like right outside of Little Rock. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. My, my family all from, from Arkansas, too, man. <laughs> Mother's grandfather, grandmother. Yeah, we go back in Arkansas, too. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, but yeah, man, like you say, it's just, um, it's a thing, man. I keep saying when I meet Sister Soldier, I still haven't met her. I'm going to have to let her know. She inspired a lot of this in a small way. I didn't even know it was going to be a movie yet. But she came to the University of Memphis in 2001. I was in grad school then. And um, she did this whole thing, this whole speech about going back to Africa. And like she said, even if not physically, just that, you know, culturally, like you say, what happened to come and bring a gift? And like she was breaking down certain things they were doing. It's like, if we just get back to certain things that are done over there and you can we like a blank canvas, man, like that have been corrupted with the wrong stuff. It's like you can rebuild a culture. It's like we have to force feed right now. Like we need to force feed and embrace, you know, a culture right now. We got to reprogram ourselves and, and decide what our culture going to be and examine and take stuff from there and be like, look, because a lot of it is still there. I mean, you get over there. That's the thing you realize. It's like, dang, y'all really, you know, a lot. Like, uh, you know, you get over there, all that stuff about, hey, oh my goodness, damn. I can't speak for no other African countries yet. I haven't been there, but Ghana has a lot of similarities. You get over there and be like, man, y'all just like that. And you know, certain stuff you'd be like, it's different, but you can pick and choose. Like, we need to rebuild our culture, man. And I, it's hard, man. I don't it's sad to me because I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where we can do that. You know, there's so much, uh, you know, we've bought into so much of this culture, American culture, which came from European culture and the individualism. And I just trying to get mine. And, and man, it ain't, we ain't going to ever get it like that. 
Yeah. And, and you know, some of the, um, I could already hear some of the haters and we don't give them much, much play. But I remember my first trip to Africa was South Africa. And folks wanted to know who really knew Africa. How did you go? Where did you go? Because, and they were right for saying this. They weren't, they weren't hating, um, but they were hating at the same time. Because it's like South Africa, that's the Europe of Africa. You know, that's where the white man came and he put things together and he's still in control like it's not Africa. And now I see people trying to say that with Ghana because there's so many black Americans there. And oh, it's Ghana, but it's this. But I've been to um, Cameroon, where my wife is from, Ethiopia, Kenya, and South Africa, and I see the similarities to the part where even the food, we're all eating the same thing. We may call it something different. Why are we allowing, even on the continent, all this tribalism to say, hey, you call it fufu, I call it insema, uh, you know, maybe in Malawi, and people want to fight over things that don't make a dang difference. And, 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 but we get American privilege anytime we leave this country, wherever we go, and all we have to do is be Americans because we're never fully, um, you can't be from Ghana, you're from America. And you can only do your best to assimilate to what makes sense to you. But I think movies like yours are gonna show how those cultural blends work, which means you got a lifetime, times 10 of movies to make because you can tell this story in Ghana, Ethiopia, the Congo, you can go to where the Negritos are in Asia and you know really talk about the business and how we're everywhere and even Fiji where they say they know they're from Africa. I know folks in Fiji they say we're African. So you got a lifetime of movies and I'm just so excited for you, brother. Man, I appreciate that, man. And that's and you hit it on the head, man. There's so many stories to tell. That I'm just like, man, it's, 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 it'll never stop. And that's just how my mind works as a writer and as a filmmaker. So, yeah, it's cool you said that because, yeah, you, you're thinking exactly what I'm thinking. And I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, I got this first brick, you know what I mean? And it's just going to make the next one easier, which makes the next one easier. And, and we just keep it going from there, man. <clears throat> well, you guys have been blessed with the game. I can give you a game overload because we went from movies to cultural differences to how to put the bricks together and, you know, do it yourself. So you've gotten the game. You want to do movies? Rewind this and study, study, study. I thank you, brother, for being on. Man, thank you again for having me. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.